everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my friend, Frank Belker. Hi, Frank. Hi, Kathy. We've known each other quite a while now, but we haven't spoken in a long time. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, I love working with you and I love um, how we co-create things. Um, uh, we've done a couple of things in the past. We did something that wasn't on LinkedIn even. And uh, what, what I love about Frank is he's got so much business experience and he can bring the best of you out <laughs> to your audience and really help you sell. So today we're going to get to talk about um, conscious selling techniques for business owners. We're going to talk about his, his uh, 20th anniversary book that he's republishing. We're going to talk about also all the training that he's done. He's worked with hundreds of clients and over 25,000 students in 168 countries, <laughs> plus been an author of a best-selling author of four different business books. So, so Frank, um, do you want to give us a little uh, explanation of how you got to where you are right now so people can come along with you and understand your expertise? Sure. I appreciate that, Kathy. I am um, on February 22nd, 1974, very soon to be 50 years ago. My mother opened a copy shop, not a coffee shop, but a copy shop in our hometown. And it turned out to be sort of like a barber shop for small business owners. So I had the opportunity to not only work in our little family small business, but to learn about all the small businesses in our town. And, uh, and that's where I first uh, really committed myself to doing everything I can to figure out what the difference is between a successful business owner and the rest of us, the vast majority who uh, struggle and often fail. And uh, I also had the opportunity during that period of time to actually get a formal education, business education, and uh, got a degree in economics. And it was interesting to be able to sort of balance off the academic perspective on business with the real world in the trenches perspective. And uh, so I learned a lot about management and marketing and finance and all this type of stuff. But it wasn't until I had a, uh, a significant business failure that I really had an opportunity to learn about sales. And that was the uh, impetus behind me writing this book that was published in 2004, The Greatest Job You Never Thought Of, Sales. I love that you never thought of it. <laughs> well, you never well, think it's most people don't want to, you know, be a, a salesperson. I, in fact, I use the word salesman because it's got that extra negative connotation. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so, and I avoided it. And in the book, I talk about the five biggest reasons why people avoid sales. And one of its fear of rejection, but I think the biggest one is the stigma associated with being a sales a salesman. Well, well, but see, I think what I'd love to talk to you about is the relationship building because you are a natural at it, and not everybody understands that that people only buy from people they like, know, and trust. 
And that relationship of creating trust is so important, especially now with how cynical the world has been since after the lockdown. So, so could you talk a little bit about relationships? Because I think you're a master at it. You, you're just a natural at it. And um, I'd like to learn more about that. You know, I appreciate you saying that I'm a natural, uh, but what, I, and I did so even 20 years ago in the book, is that I wasn't a natural at it. I felt very self-conscious in one-to-one -one sales situations. Uh, and what I've learned is that there are certain tools that you can use. I have a chapter called the Sales Toolkit that will help you to become or appear to be very natural at it. You know, I think you're right, Kathy. I think now it, it does come naturally to me, but it's after years and years of implementation and practice. And so a couple of tools I suggest. Uh, number one, you have to really believe in the value of whatever it is you're quote selling. Because if you believe that it has great value and that the person you're speaking with will benefit tremendously from making that purchase decision, and in fact that they the value they'll receive is in far in excess of what it is that they're going to spend, then you can feel like you're not quote selling somebody, you're helping them. And you're helping them, you're 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 bringing information to their attention that, of which they were not previously aware. You're giving them the opportunity to move forward immediately and begin enjoying the benefits of it. And you're the person who can make that happen for them. So belief is the number one tool for a successful salesperson, which is that's entirely counter to the idea of the person who could sell anything to anyone. Uh, yes. They because they don't believe that it's going to benefit everyone, but they'll sell it to you anyway, just because they've they've got the power. Well, then, that's that's creating a win lose versus a win win. And what you're talking right. about is creating a win win, because once you have that relationship, once you perform on it um, and you create that, then there's multiple other opportunities for both of you to work together. So it, when people are, are short-sighted and only look at one um, transaction and and then it's a game, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to win over you, that's a yeah. whole different level of uh, inner engagement. And it's very short-sighted. That's like the car salesman or, you know, the, the um, stereotype. And those stereotypes they're out there. I mean, it's it's almost like gaming somebody, right? I agree. And but that's not my way. No, I could no. never. That was never going to work for me. No. And uh, and yet it's funny you bring this up because I, it's causing me to send my mind back to when I first started doing the job. It was a home improvement sales position. Uh, I felt like that's who I was. I was that car salesman guy. And I, you know, it kind of made me feel kind of ginchy and I, yeah, I didn't like it. And, and in fact, on my first 13 appointments, I didn't sell a thing. <laughs> and it wasn't until my 14th appointment and I was, I was staring at the floor and I'm like, oh my God, the gas bill is due and the mortgage is going to be due in two weeks. And I, I just don't know what, and I'm not speaking out loud, but these thoughts are going yeah. through my mind. And the, there was a young couple whose house I was in presenting to them. And the young uh, woman tapped me on the shoulder and she said, did you hear what I said? 
and I, you know, popped out of my days and I said, no, what did you say? She says, we'll take it. <laughs> uh, I love I like, it. I mean, what'd you say? I, I don't know what to, I don't know how to act. And uh, from that point forward, I became the top producing salesperson in the whole company. Oh, fantastic. You just needed that first nudge. Yeah. Well, what, what, um, when you just said something about, um, it's a, it's your duty to sell them something if you really believe in the product or service. Um, that sounded like Jay Abrams to me, hmm. um, who's one of my heroes. I, I followed him a lot um, mm -hmm. in, in all these years. Um, who are some of your heroes oh, or that you've learned sales from? Hmm. Or is you that know, a I would probably point to people that neither you nor members of your audience would have ever heard of because they were people that I had personal relationships with. Oh, uh-huh. And, um, but one of the people is the owner of the company I work for. His name is Greg Dethridge. And Greg's an uh, African-American entrepreneur who, to me, in every conversation I've ever had with him, that was not even an issue to him as far as race or bigotry. I mean, he just doesn't even enter his mind. He just goes forward. Um, and he taught me a great deal about a structured sales environment and how important it is to be ready, always be prepared. Um, my uh, sales manager was a guy named Randy Carter. And uh, Randy was a, a very good humored uh, uh, Southern boy from uh, Kentucky. And I, he's back in uh, Lexington, Kentucky these days. And he was probably at least 15 years my junior but he was an excellent sales manager, certainly much better than my original one. And um, I just also, I'm always observing people. But what I would say, if I, this is an indirect way of answering your question, any, any sales or marketing guru who encourages you to listen to your customer would be somebody I would applaud. Ask questions. What's the problem you're experiencing? When did you first notice it? What is the follow-on problem that this problem causes for you in your home? And then, you know, if it turns out, I, I even say in the book, I don't think this is the right solution for you. Uh, for whatever reason, you don't have the budget for it. There's a faster way that you could fix this with a handyman or even do it yourself. And um, I think as a result, uh, I never, felt like I was forcing something on people and they didn't feel that either. Yeah. I, I often say that if you have that belief, <clears throat> then it's communicated in your every word and action. But you have, if you have the disbelief, that is communicated in your every word and action. And people pick up on that energy, Kathy. Right. I agree. I agree. I think that's part of this whole um, new era we're in is people are reading body language and are reading, uh, people are more empathic um, and and looking for signs than they used to because of all the cynicism here. Um, as far as um, in this new book, this new old book, um, mm -hmm. what did you do to make it more current? Because it's a 20th <laughs> year anniversary edition. So you must have had to change um, 
Well, 20 years ago, you, we did have the internet, but we didn't have the use of it that we have now. Yeah. So um, could you speak a little bit about the, the evolution of, of what you've sure. seen? Well, it's funny because <clears throat> many of the fundamentals are entirely the same. But I got a, uh, I had an audio book edition and I received a, a negative review from somebody who said, you know, I was going along and I really enjoyed the book. And then when it got to the part about how to apply for an interview for a job, the guy's talking about cutting ads out of the newspaper and scotch taping them to a to legal pad, man. <laughs> and so uh, the funny thing, I was able to um, bring a, a young man in to help me. Uh, Joseph Moore is his name, who's a recent college graduate to help me with the new edition. And, um, and I brought this specifically to his attention. This, it's the last chapter. And, uh, and I said, I need you to help me uh, modernize this. And so he did uh, tremendously. And I also asked him to go throughout the book and mark every time he felt that there was a dated reference mm. uh, and something that people would not understand. And, uh, and he has over 100 post-it notes, Kathy. Wow. Which, uh, I'm still going through all of them. <laughs> and uh, but, you know, what a blessing to have Joseph involved in the editing process. And uh, he's a very sharp young man. And it, the funny thing I thought was, you know, I'm probably 40 years older than Joseph, but he he listened to me when I was telling him what I needed him to do. And I only had to tell him once. Oh, and, fantastic. And when he came back, he, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I just was, what a great blessing to have. So this, that's this like having angelic support there, really. Yeah. Um, so Auric Vibe is watching us on YouTube, and she said, NLP and motivational interviewing is helpful and key. Yes. So mm -hmm. do you, what do you, do you, I have a, a book on my bookshelf here that's NL, uh, NLP selling and i've never really used it um i i don't know it's tactics i guess well, i always felt a, a little uh, uneasy about neuro-linguistic programming okay because of the word programming <clears throat> i don't want to try to program anyone uh i what i my approach is first off in the job i was in i was given leads three leads a day six uh, days a week and so these people who they responded to a radio ad or a television ad or a newspaper ad, and they'd called an 800 number. And at the call center, they were asked a number of qualifying questions. For example, do you own the home? Many people who are renters wanted these repairs made, but they're not in a position to make a purchase decision. And they were asked a number of different questions to qualify them. The point I'm driving at is when I arrived at their home, I knew that they were interested. They, they already had a, some level of understanding of what the product was that I was there to tell them about. And something had incentivized them to pick up the phone. And so that's where I would start. Why did you call us about this? And, the, you know, and these are the type of open questions. I, I really don't know what NLP involves. Okay. Uh, but I would ask them open questions and I would listen and take notes. And uh, at some point, I would stop, and uh, oftentimes they would interject their own questions. You know, I saw it on TV, but I wasn't quite sure about this. And um, 
in any event, I would then say, I think we can help you if it were somebody that I felt we could help. And I said, what I need to do now is I'm going to go outside of your house and I'm going to take some measurements and I'm going to sit in my car and I'm going to put together a proposal for you. And then I'll be back in about 15 or 20 minutes. And so we can sit down and you can decide whether it's right for you. That was my approach. <clears throat> I, I, I just, I really, I can't say I'm anti-NLP. It's just always the word programming always turns Right, on. right. Well, she wrote back and said, I use it every day to keep myself safe in working with mental health patients. I use it as a reading tool. So okay. I, I, what I understand about it um, is uh, that it um, helps you mirror somebody. So mm, if okay. they're like this in a meeting, you're, you become right. like this, you know, you mirror them. So there's some bond, it's like, um, psychological connection or um, body language and uh, personality connection. If they're talking slow, you change the pace of how you agree talk. completely with that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because so, otherwise you make them very uncomfortable. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. so, so, okay, so you have this incredible gift of this young man helping you yes. with your update of your book. But... Um, it, does your book have um, uh, prospecting information in it too, or is no. it more sales? Yes. But I will tell you that um, I have another follow-on book that's called Sell Like a Boss. Oh, sales cool. Training for Business Owners. Cool. And, uh, but I do, I do talk about the importance of the lead flow that allowed me than to focus solely on selling. I didn't right. do any marketing, no advertising, no qualifying, nothing. I just showed up at the address I was given at the appointed time and did my part of the process. But uh, you you do that now. You help lots of people with your digital media positioning mm -hmm. to learn how to tell their story and learn how to connect with their target market. So you must be also helping them uh, identify their target market and yes. infiltrate their target market, right? I do. One thing I like to say is what I do for you is I help you do a better job of telling your own story. That's perfect. Right. And because often it's difficult for any of us, even for me, to tell my own story. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it's impossible for you to see yourself from another person's perspective. You can try and you can simulate. But in any event, what I drive into with my clients is, what is the problem? Who do you serve and what is the problem that you solve for them? And that often causes people to sort of look around and you know, I gotta think about that. And uh, But for example, one of my primary industries that I work with is home improvement companies. And so their clients are homeowners and homeowners share a certain basket of problems relative to either upgrading or repairing, maintaining their home. Uh, they may need to get all their windows replaced. They may need a new deck, they, what have you. And it, it runs, you know, tens of thousands of dollars many times. Even a new air conditioning unit, you know, could cost you $10,000, certainly a new roof. And, um, and so then I say, I ask, why do people choose you when they do? And that's another one people say, I never thought about that before. And so, you know, are you the lowest price? Are you the highest quality? Are you the most trusted? Can you get this turned around the most quickly? 
are, do you have the best salesperson on the front line? And what, what do you think that is? And then I will also ask when people say no to you, why do they say no? And you know, where our price is too high, or they didn't like us or whatever it is. Um, and so what I try to do, and I, I found myself using this expression recently, I try to remove all friction from the revenue, from the revenue generating process so that you're only speaking with people who are highly, have a high propensity to do business with you. Now, you're still not going to close 100% of every presentation that you make, but if you can go from 25% to 45%, that's tremendous. Uh, I have a client who's in the HVAC business, and in fact, uh, he ended up uh, writing a book and using it as a sales tool, but his uh, closing ratio, uh, I want to say his sales went up 39% in the 12 months after he began using his book as a sales tool compared to the previous 12 months. I mean, that, wow. that's 40%. That's a tremendous, especially for a company that had already been in business for 30 years. Wow. You can see that kind of inflection. Um, but in any event, I the way uh, many people will say to me afterwards, Nobody ever asked me those questions before. You really made me rethink my business. And that's, I see as my job. I'm the advocate for your customer. I want your help, but I'm not sure you're the right one for me to choose. How do we make it easy for me to say yes to you? Perfect. So as far as um, digital um, positioning, digital work. Um, you and I both do a lot of uh, the same type of work as far as helping people have a, a present online presence mm -hmm. and then using tools. But, um, but your, your, um, your emphasis is on money-making. <laughs> and, and, yeah. On money-making on, on creating, creating things that uh, create conversions on conversions. And so I'd love to learn some more about that um, because are you finding that um, certainly with LinkedIn and Facebook and all the ways we can direct message people, are you finding a different um, system for that communication? I know, I know the storytelling part of uh, your work is, is wonderful. Um, but could you speak to what you're seeing? Because there's this coming out of COVID, coming out of the lockdown where so many businesses just sort of said, can't do this anymore. Um, yeah. So everyone had to go online, which has kept me nice and busy. But, <laughs> but, but I, I'm wondering what what you feel is um, for the audience, because many of them are rebuilding or changing their their uh, focus to be more in service in a different way or narrowing their focus. So um, could you talk a little bit about how that's changed in this past maybe year and a half? Sure. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to that. Uh, yeah, the whole COVID thing was quite an eye-opener. Um, one benefit for me, and for you for that matter, 
is that so many people are now more accustomed to communicating as we are right now, uh, what I call desktop video. Um, and so that's a great way for uh, my clients to get their message and communicate the essence of their own personality out to their clients. Video is tremendously powerful at that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Relative to storytelling, there's a great book called Building a Story Brand, and it follows a process of writing a successful screenplay. There's a guy with a problem who meets a guide who has a plan and calls the guy to action, delivering from him from evil and giving him a transformational experience. Now, I said that very quickly, it'd be just for time constraints. But basically, it's the hero of the story is your client, not you. When you do a television commercial, when you do a video on Facebook or on LinkedIn or whatever, it does. It can't be about who you are and what you do. Right. It has to be about your client and the problem they have and how you creatively solved it for them and brought them to the promised land, if you will. So I really focus on video storytelling and I take the seven steps and break them down into present the problem, excuse me, state the problem, present the solution, demonstrate the beneficial outcomes of engaging with that solution, call to action. Perfect. So that will fit more easily into a short video, you know, 60 seconds or less, <clears throat> excuse me. And then uh, the last thing I would say is that there's a tremendous opportunity right now, Kathy, in what we would call TV ads, television advertising. There's a whole revolution called connected TV and you are now able to present your ads in the midst of, you name it, NFL football, who can, Hallmark, whatever, wherever you want to be. Uh, in fact, um, Amazon Prime is now going to be starting to show these ads. Yep. So is Netflix. And, you know, people, just like salesmen, TV ad doesn't always have the most positive connotation to it. But it's an opportunity, especially now with the technology we have, Get your message directly in front of the people most likely to need what you do, to have the problem that you solve. Mm -hmm. And then there's one type of ad is branding. So they hear your name over and over and they learn that you're a roofer, a roofer, a roofer, whatever it is in your local area. And then you can follow on with ads that call to action. You yes. need to give them a reason to visit a website, pick up the phone, whatever it is you're asking them to do. And generally that's a free gift or a free resource that in the vernacular marketing, we would call a lead magnet. Right. Okay. So I want you to know Felice is watching and she says, yes, the story brand book, so good. And then she said, this is so valuable. Thank you. So, Thank you, Felice. Yeah, Felice, that's wonderful. Okay, so so when we're looking at the attention span of people right now, <laughs> um, when you're talking about a lead magnet, have you found that these PDFs that we all have been, I've been giving away PDFs, this is my 30 or 24th year of being in business as Mason Works Marketing. Congratulations. Yeah, well, I'm going in it. But anyway, so, so, you know, having a PDF, a downloadable free PDF used to be the best thing. Are you finding that there's a, a different free lead magnet that works better now because of the attention span of uh, the audience? 
I, I find the uh, highest level engagement with a short video course. Oh, so okay. It would be like three to five episodes or, or lessons, if you will, um, that again, solve the problem. Um, and then they can be distributed by email. Now you can give the person instant access to the whole course and then additionally send them an email once a week with here's lesson number two, here's lesson number three, what have you, because you certainly want to stay in front of them and continue the branding for as long as you can. But um, again, because all of us or so many of us now have a nice camera on our computer and uh, we've figured out the technology of how to record ourselves uh, and even do some minor editing. I, I'm just a huge proponent of video. Yeah, yeah. And, and you do a wonderful job with your clients with video. And that's what I was saying. It's really based on conversions. It's not just uh, um, nice to have. Um, well, here she goes. This is a question. What if you are solving multiple problems? Okay, that's an excellent question. And I'm really glad that question was asked. Thanks, Felice. I'm sorry, I'm looking, I'm gonna uh, bring up my uh, digital media positioning website and then we can switch to it a little bit later. Oh, do you want me to um, put that up? Okay, sure, if you would. So it's digitalmediapositioning.com. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and so as I recall, the question was, what if you're solving multiple problems? Yes, and, and that great. seems to be a problem that, or the, the question I get a lot too, is they don't wanna narrow down um, their niche or their mm -hmm. <laughs> offering? Well, here's the thing. Uh, each person only has one problem or they only have one problem that's really causing them angst right now. And while you may have the capability to uh, uh, solve multiple problems, it's extremely difficult, as we would say in the sales business, to sell two things at once. Do you remember the old Saturday Night Live uh, thing with uh, Dan Aykroyd? You know, what is it? Is it a dessert topping or a floor <laughs> polish? Well, it's both. And uh, and this is also a problem I often see with uh, multi-level marketing opportunities is, well, there's all these health benefits, but it's also a business opportunity. Yeah. You know, I really just want to lose weight or I don't, you know. So yeah. I always feel that trying to sell two things at once is a losing proposition. It's just, even though you sincerely can solve those problems, it's a communications challenge. How do you communicate that? And uh, in fact, I, I worked at, for a short period of time for a $400 million um, health products company. And I was brought in by the CEO and, and I was placed under the vice president of sales. And the CEO told the or vice president of marketing, the CEO told the vice president, you're going to love this guy. He can do anything to which the vice president said, I don't need anything. And this is the point. I mean, I'm making jokes about it, but this is serious relative to your marketing. Yeah, you, you need to focus each message on one problem. Now, you can have multiple messages, in which case I would say you're spreading your resources out. Uh, you need to keep all the verbiage separated and the messaging different and you probably are gonna to have to distribute those messages through different channels. You're gonna to have to have a lead magnet for each one. You're gonna to have to have this, you're gonna to have to have that. You know, 
you you it, it it's, it's jack of all trades uh, master of none type thing you right. want to be known or you can only be known as the solution the best offer the best choice to solve of one problem now right. how do you choose which one of those you're going to do figure out what is it that you uh are, can do fastest which can you do easiest which comes most naturally to you which have you had the most success with in the past of somebody tells you what's going on and man just like that you've got it fixed and they're they're like oh it's a miracle and then they give you those great testimonials and finally which of the problems you solve is the most profitable for you you'll often find that all of those things line up and behind one problem you solve and so what I would say is start with that one. And once you're making enough money off of solving just or communicating just your ability to solve that problem, <clears throat> if you still want to, you can go to problem number two. That's great. And uh, the, the advantage is coming up with an umbrella that doesn't constrict your growth and your offerings growth that um, you can keep growing year after year, offering other services under that umbrella. Oh, I like yeah, that. That's mm -hmm. so perfect. That's so perfect. Well, um, uh, uh, I the other thing that you and I, well, I'll put your um, site back up when you want me to. I'm sorry, I put sure. it up a little early. Well, if you um, would go ahead and put that back up and okay. I'll just tell people what you're looking at there. Okay. Is uh, It's at digitalmediapositioning.com and I think you have it in the links. Yeah, I've got them um, up. Okay, tell me so when the to idea scroll. is uh, create stories that sell. And the subtitle under there you may not be able to read is rapidly increase your sales by engaging your most profitable prospects everywhere they go with video. And the point is that with video, you can be on the big screen in their living room or their bedroom. You can be on their phone. You can be on their tablet. You can be on the screen in front of them when they're on their life cycle. The, you name it. In fact, I was at a, a doctor's appointment recently where I had to sit in a chair for a long period of time, and there was a video screen right in front of me to keep me occupied that was built into the chair. Um, they're inescapable. And, but you can reach your most valuable prospects, your dream clients, I call them, on all of these screens with the same video production. And that's one of the reasons that it's such a, an efficient and effective medium right now, video. Yep. Um, if you scroll down, you'll see that I even show you how you can put videos into text messages and videos into emails and all kinds of things. And people can go there and, and look at it for themselves. But I talked there about what types of stories you wanna tell, which are the most engaging, uh, you, you name it. And again, I would come back to this television advertising opportunity right now. It's just tremendous. And you can, if you scroll down just a little bit more, you'll see all these networks. And uh, this is a company I've partnered with. It's called Vibe.co. And uh, I'm able to get my uh, clients on these television channels instantly, almost immediately. Um, and there are a number of other ones that uh, I, I could spend all day just talking about the different connected TV platforms. And in fact, one uh, differentiator I, I feel I'll be able to bring 
is helping advertisers decide which of these platforms is best for their situation. And wow, do that's, that, I ask them a bunch of questions. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's the best way to serve, right? It sure is. Do you want me to scroll down any further? No, that's fine. Okay, they, super, super. Oh, that was wonderful, and what an incredible service. Um, the the um, the benefit of all of this, you guys, is that in times of change, as we all are going through um, tremendous change, the um, in historically there's great opportunity, and people um, after uh, the um, Great Depression made more millionaires mm -hmm. than it ever been before. So that's why I thought it was such a gift to have Frank on, to have us all um, learn a lesson or two and buy his new book, his, his revised, updated book, um, so that we can really see and, and go to his websites. Um, we can really see that it's all an inside job. How motivated are you to serve? How, how sincerely do you believe in what you provide? And if it isn't up to snuff, how can you increase the value of it and learn more or refine it better so it does get better results for people, right? Absolutely. It's not enough to, to be great at solving a problem. You have to know how to communicate your ability to do that. I feel as though uh, Albert Einstein, clearly a genius in physics, had at least as much genius in communication. Because to this day, however many years after he created the E equals MC squared formula or equation, we're still able to quote that. I don't think any of us know really what it means. <laughs> but but it, talk about branding, you know. Yes, yes. But but I think this is the time that uh, we've had a chance to really go inward. Some of us got sick during this time period and had more time to, to we, that there wasn't much else we could do. Um, and uh, we're starting a new year um, with all sorts of New Year's resolutions and new plans, planning the whole year out. And uh, this is a great time to to go to Frank's website. Do you want me to show the other one as well? Oh, sure. Okay. Um, because I think you can trust the quality of what you're going to get. And you're going to also, um, in, in so many ways, this is personal development as much as it is business development, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, I like that. That's well put. So this is uh, frankfelker.com. And the idea is that I have found, and again, observing business owners since 1974, I just can't believe it. But I've seen, I would say, 10% of the business owners I've met truly succeed and thrive and build this great business that they ended up either uh, passing on to their children or they sold it for a big bundle of money or, or what have you. And even while they were building the business, they were enjoying life, they were able to take time off, you know, they weren't tied to it. Uh, and then the 90% of us are working more hours for less pay, fewer benefits and higher risk. 
than if we had just stayed in the job that we were at before we started the business. And yeah. I feel that that's a shame and it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And so I have uh, what I call the M cube, which is the six secrets of small business success. And they're all start with M. First one is uh, your mindset. Second is marketing. Third is money. Fourth is what I call making, uh, which is the actual making of what the widgets or the sandwiches or the donuts or whatever it is your business. And that's only that's number four in priority. And yet most people think that would be number one. Mm -hmm. uh, fifth is management of people. And sixth is minutia, which is making sure you have the right form of corporation and so forth. And what I can help you do in similar way to helping you tell your story better is I can help you look at your business in a different way, separate from yourself. Look at it the way an entrepreneur would look at it, not the way a business owner would look at it. And I learned this from the book, The E-Myth, yes. that many of us have read. Yes. Um, and I feel it's critical that people decide. And here's the thing, maybe you don't want to be an entrepreneur. That's great. Even so, there's many ways that I can help you. For example, take one full week of vacation every quarter away from your business. How does that sound? You know, uh, which is something I think very few, especially struggling business owners are able to do. Yeah, the, the thing is, is the, the big picture. What, what is the, the big picture of all of it? And burning out isn't a big picture. But, but the e-myth talks about how people, I'm going to stop sharing for a sec. Um, the e-myth talks about how the people get into business because they like, they're a baker and they love baking. Right. And everyone loves their baking, but they don't have... Um, a sense of how to make that sustainable. And, yeah. um, and, and that is the truth. That is how most people get started in business. They get a great idea and um, it is a great idea, but they need a lot more of the other fundamental um, foundational parts of their business in order to succeed where you can really help them with all of your experience in, in corporate and in small business. Um, you have a plethora of choices for people um, on how you can serve them. Sure. Yes. And, I, and the number one thing is I love business owners, small business owners. These, these are my people. <laughs> you know, I, um, and I also have a great uh, passion for entrepreneurship. I really feel that it's possibly the best course of action for a human being to take in terms of how they make their daily bread, because it forces us to improve ourselves. It's funny you mentioned that uh, personal improvement, self-improvement. You've always got to be sharpening the saw. You got to learn, 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 grow, grow, grow. And then another thing is competitive pressure forces you to do and be your best. You can't fake it because if you do, the competition will crush you. Uh, another thing is it's all about service. You have to be serving your customer. You have to be serving your employees and your vendors and your partners and everybody who's involved with your business. And if you're not, you're not going to succeed in the long run. And right. so I just see it as like, the ultimate manifestation of work is being an entrepreneur 
And I feel as though for me personally, it's the most rewarding path. Right. Oh, it's beautiful. Okay. So next I wanted to talk, um, the way that we met is we're both in a um, publishers, a, a hybrid publishers group. And um, how do you see publishing right now um, where people's attention spans are so short um, as far as um, using a book, as you had mentioned, you uh, the one of your customers wrote a, a small book and then was using that as a giveaway. Um, how do you see this, this current atmosphere for writing books? Um, in my business, a lot of times my people are using a book as a expensive business card mm -hmm. to get on shows and to get be considered to be on the big channels and big stages if whether they're virtual stages or in-person stages so how do you see publishing um you're you're making the effort to redo your book mm -hmm. so so how do you see this change and and then um we can talk about a ai in another uh, part, but right now um, I'm still very excited about books. Um, I, I see you in your background is so beautiful. Like, that's like heaven to me to see sure. a bookcase like that. I love and I read all every day. So so, but the average person, their attention span and their focus is. Um, I'm just wondering what you're seeing out in in your experience about about books. Thank you. Well, I um, yes, I'm you know publishing this 20th anniversary edition of this book. I'm also going to be republishing uh, the M Cube as I touched on, and also you showed on my website. And I'm changing the title to the Six Secrets of Business Success because it's a little more self-explanatory. Uh, and that is a very short book. I think you can read the whole thing in about 25 minutes. Um, I've got a number of follow-on books that I'm going to be publishing. And there are a number of things I would say. One is it, it's critical that you have a plan in place of how you're going to use or leverage your book to generate revenue. You were asking me earlier about, uh, you know, direct response or, or uh, getting new business in the door versus uh, uh, branding with video, the same thing is true with the book. Now, the book can help introduce you at the beginning of the relationship, or the book can help you close a sale at the table. This is the way the HVAC guy would do it. He told me that previously he would give somebody a bid for, let's say, $8,750, and then somebody else would come in, and the customer would say, well, this guy said $8,750, and this guy says, well, I'll do it for $8,650 and sold. The difference now was when my client made his presentation, he would then give him this book, give the homeowner a book called Insider Secrets of the HVAC Experts, and it said to them, even if you don't do business with us, I want you to have this book as our gift, and if you run into a problem with your system later, just look it up in the book and you may be able to fix it yourself if it's a minor thing. And he said it, it wasn't like the price comparison issue went away, but it you couldn't undercut him by $100 and lose the job. And that's how his sales, his closing ratio just went right through the roof. 
So what I'm saying is that that was at the latest point in the sales life cycle, right at the table when the decision is being made. And it can also, the book, be used at the beginning to, to introduce yourself and get somebody to invite you to give them a proposal. What your strategy is needs to be worked out by Kathy Mason or uh, somebody like she or I. And, um, but if you don't have that, if you still want to write a book, that's great. But just keep in mind that most people are never going to read that book. Even the guy, the HVAC guy, I'd be willing to bet maybe one out of 10 homeowners read that book. But the fact that it increased his business by hundreds of thousands of dollars a year made the fact that people weren't reading his book uh, a non-issue. So yeah. I, the reason I bring up not reading the book with you has to do with the attention span question you asked. If, if somebody is really interested in what you're doing and they really got a lot out of the first 30 pages or so, they'll commit to reading the entire book or at least a lot more than they would have otherwise. I recently saw somebody on Facebook uh, who said that the way she has succeeded so well as an author is she really makes sure those first 30 pages are just gripping and engaging. She's a nonfiction author. And, uh, and she's found then that people have such an emotional connection with the book that they follow it through. One last thing I would say about this is you mentioned I have over 25,000 students from almost 170 countries around the world who have uh, engaged in one or more of my online courses. Every one of your online courses is an opportunity to be repurposed as a book, and every one of your books is an opportunity to be repurposed as an online course. Your book may sell for $14.95, $19.95, but your course is going to sell for many times that. And then the up follow-on from that is group coaching or personal coaching, what have you. So there's a thing called the value ladder where you use the book as one of the steps in your ladder, but it always, always establishes your credibility as a thought leader and an authority on the topic you've written about. Yep, yep. So um, I always say to my clients that uh, being an author is more important than a PhD. And PhD, <laughs> like people that. don't really like that, but but it's it's a badge of courage. And then if you're a mm. best-selling author, it's really something. And and uh, from a promotions aspect, where I'm getting people on stages, virtual stages, um, that books almost um, put you in the top tier, where where so many people that haven't put the effort into writing a book. Mm. Um, but they they could speak a book. There's lot, so many ways to use technology now to really get your thoughts out on paper. So with technology, the next question I have for you is about AI. Um, you, there, yesterday I took a class with, um, well, I'm calling it a class, um, with uh, Brian G. Johnson about, um, he was doing something, with AI on his channel. And he's an amazing guy, he lives in Colorado Springs here. And uh, he, I wrote down, I think, five different tools in AI that he was using that really enhanced video as well as um, uh, still pictures and uh, social media. Um, and since you are an expert at video, what do you think about AI and video? And um, 
there's there's a whole trend now with faceless videos that they're saying, you know, have AI just create, and and I do have the software um, that I've been using that for some of my things, but like like a book trailer may not ever have uh, a book trailer video that would go with your best-selling book may not have you in it, which is uh, uh, faceless. Um, what, what do you think about that, about the AI? aspect of all this. Well, I certainly um, clear that we can't ignore it. Um, it's huge. It's yes. possibly the biggest revolution um, of all kinds, technological and otherwise, that I've seen in my 50 years. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, early adopter of digital printing technology in the print shop. I was I was doing uh, receiving print jobs online in 1988, which was wow. before the internet really took hold. I had a very early uh, website uh, called the Online Print Shop Network, what have you. I've always been uh, at the bleeding edge, and I have the scars in my back to prove it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I recognize this as being, you know, just almost certainly bigger than any of the other revolutions I've been a party to. And I have uh, been learning quite a bit about AI as well. <clears throat> I do both uh, audio and video production as well as writing and editing. And there's a couple of things I would say. First off is AI is at a certain point right now, and it will be at an entirely different point 18 to 36 months from now. Mm -hmm. Right now, I feel as though we were talking earlier about how people sense body language and so forth. I think there's a certain soullessness to uh, much of what comes out of AI right now that will not be present very soon. Um, I also would say that each of our personalities is potentially the most powerful tool we have to engage with other human beings. And if we remove our physical selves from the equation, we're taking one of our biggest advantages off the table. Now. We've all seen deep fake videos where you can hardly tell whether it's really you or it's not you. Uh, and I think that will become increasingly difficult to differentiate. But right now, the two pieces of advice I would give is, it's this two-sided one, number one, don't ignore it slash engage with it heartily. Figure out how to use it. Don't let it roll over you. You roll with it. And I, I think both you and I are doing that right now, uh, particularly with the text generation. And I'll speak, let me, I'll come back to that in a minute. But the second thing is be prepared and prepare yourself for what's to come next and look at your business relative to how it's going to be impacted by AI. Now, for example, right now, landscaping companies, uh, mow, blow, and, and snow, uh, uh, folks will not be impacted by AI in the short term. If Elon Musk gets his uh, robots going, that could be a different story uh, 10 years from now, maybe sooner. Um, I just, it's so important you can't ignore it. Engage with it now, learn it, and then try to prepare yourself for what's going to happen next. Don't allow yourself to become obsolete. Uh, relative to using it to generate text, uh, 
I have <laughs> always had a high level of mental energy available, and I've got no shortage of ideas about things to write about. And so the way I use AI right now, and you may well be doing this as well, and I think uh, we learned this uh, from our joint mentor, Jack Mize, is I start with what it is that I want to say. I write the back cover of the book, and then I outline the table of contents of what I think I want to talk about. And then I ask somebody to interview me. I found that I, I come up with better stuff if I'm being interviewed rather than if I just try to speak into a microphone. And poor Joseph Moore, the young man who worked on my uh, 20th anniversary edition, he's going to be hearing a lot about what I think about things in the coming months. And uh, <laughs> anyway, he'll just have to find ways to deal with that. But then what I do is I take the transcription of the interview and I massage a few prompts to try to get the what I'm trying to get out of the AI. And for those who don't know, a prompt is the instruction you give to the AI. And then I try to make it sound as much like me as possible, which it does because it was my idea, it was my words, my thoughts, everything. It's no original concept by the AI. But the AI is so great at taking what's a stream of consciousness conversation and turning it into something that you can read very easily. So that's how I use it right now. Yeah, I'm using it uh, a lot in uh, YouTube um, for writing writing descriptions to um, to try to get more traffic to mm -hmm. people's websites and. Um, uh, but but the last book we published uh, last month, um, I noticed when I uploaded it to Amazon, you had to check a box whether or not it was AI generated or it was written by an author. So they're very mm -hmm. much aware there wasn't any penalty to that. But I think they they're designating that on um, on on their site, which is fascinating, really. When you think I about that, if the approach that I just described, if I would have to designate that as being AI. Generated. No, I, I think what you honestly, Frank, you and I are going to use it and then change it. We, it's rare that you would ever, ever use it straight out of the box. You might like I, I remember um, the, the original I've been using it for all uh, um, well, eight months, six months, a, a while. And I use it every day. Oh, and wow. what it first was doing, ChatGPT was only doing lists. So, so you'd ask it something and you already knew you had expertise in what it was generating. So you knew that, oh, I forgot that one thing. I should include, like their list may have included. <laughs> sure. No, it was great because I, you have your go-tos, right? That, oh, this works. I'm going to keep doing it. But um, uh, it's a new it's a new era. It's actually for creators. It's so much fun. Um, mm. The the opportunity to express yourself and brand yourself in a different way. It's it's really exciting times. And I'm sorry, there's so much fear about it. Um, you know, uh, out there because uh, e copywriters will use it, but they'll change it just like anyone would it's mm -hmm. it's 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 help it's not the end all and i don't think we're close to taking out the human aspect personally that's well my opinion. we certainly aren't if we don't allow it right 
Right, right. So um, uh, I, I've enjoyed this so much, Frank. I hope we get to do this again and, and when your book is out to do a celebration with you for it. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, and maybe you could show some slides then and, and really sure. uh, do a, a walkthrough because um, seriously, you guys, uh, Frank is a wonderful resource for you. If you want to refine your message, get clear and make some sales, not just get mm -hmm. visible, but actually convert to some dollars and cents and uh, take your business to the next level in 2024. Um, you have a great resource here. So Frank, once again, could you share how's the best way for them to reach you? Oh, absolutely. Um, certainly I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can just run my name. I, there probably is more than one Frank Falker there, but I'm not sure. I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you name it, or you can go to either digitalmediapositioning.com or frankfelker.com, and you'll find a contact us page there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and I'm so, so blessed to know you. Thank you. Thank and you, everyone. Kathy. I just can't tell you how much I enjoyed it. I'm fully oh, energized. Oh, good. Yeah, that's the idea. That, I mean, this is a time to show up, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. thank you. Okay. Thank